Eavesdropping never ends well. I know this from watching too many soap operas as a youth. Um, at least once every episode of a soap opera, a character overhears something devastating. They learn their husband is having an affair with their mother. Their new boyfriend is actually their long-lost brother. Or, or the new woman in town is their wife, who they thought was dead, but really just had amnesia and then had some minor facial reconstruction surgery. Um, eavesdropping usually brings you information you wish you didn't have. Well, that's kind of how I feel about this morning's passage. I'm not sure we were meant to overhear this conversation between Moses and God. We learn a lot about the two of them. Um, now, at this point in the narrative, um, Moses and God have spent a, a lot of time together, 40 days, in fact. And during that time, God shares with Moses the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law. Um, unprepared for Moses' long absence, uh, the people create a golden calf and worship it. God is furious about this turn of events, and he orders Moses to return to the people at once. The people whom God has previously claimed as God's own suddenly belong to Moses. God calls them your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt. God sounds like an angry mom trying to pawn the kids off on dad. Well, then God says to Moses, leave me alone so I can get really, really angry and destroy the people. I will make a great nation of you and you alone. What an intriguing and unexpected offer. It's as if Moses or God is saying to Moses, uh, Moses, let's just ditch the people and head off together off into the sunset. Um, we'll be uh, Batman and Robin, Lewis and Clark, Barnum and Bailey. Take your pick. It's just you and me from here on out. Well, Moses does not take God up on the offer and instead chooses to plead the Israelites' case. Um, first, he appeals to God's common sense. Why would you kill off the people that you took so much trouble to liberate? Then Moses tries another tactic focusing on God's reputation. What will the Egyptians think if you destroy your people. Um, you're going to look bad in front of the neighbors. Then Moses goes with one final poignant argument. Remember the promises you made to, to Abraham and Isaac? Promise, promises that they will be the parents of a mighty nation. If you destroy the people, you can't keep your promise. Aren't you a God who keeps your promises? Well, Moses must present a very effective, compelling case because the Bible says, and then the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he planned to bring on his people. Yeah, that sentence is in our Bible. So what's going on here? I mean, God changes God's mind. That goes against so much of what we were taught about the nature of God. God is all-seeing and all-knowing, invincible, unchanging. God's not supposed to change. But almost as shocking as God's behavior is that of Moses. He speaks to God as an equal. Um, 
this this intimacy that the two of them seem to have it's it's unnerving on the other hand if you happen to be one of the people who created the golden calf people scheduled for annihilation oh i bet you are very 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 grateful to moses and his willingness to plead your case and grateful to god's willingness to change course this lent we are focusing on the possibilities that emerge when we admit that we are wrong now is that what's happening here um, is, is that what god is doing in this passage does god repent now in hebrew the, the word repent literally means to change directions uh, to turn towards a more positive course of action and that kind of sounds like what God is doing in this passage. But saying that God repents, that may be a step too far. But what if this willingness to, to reassess, to, to change directions, to reconsider, what if that is something embedded in the very nature of God? Well, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm comfortable with this idea that God changes in, in a world where so much changes, where, where so much is unpredictable. Is it too much to ask that God remain the same? Um, I think of all in our lives that changed in March of 2020, three years ago today, I was planning a spring break trip with dear friends. I, I was, um, starting uh, initial preparation for a graduation party. Um, here at church, we were working on an interactive Holy Week experience for us all to, to have on Palm Sunday. None of those things happened. So much changes. So much changes. Take the children of our lives. One minute, our help is needed to, to bathe them and dress them and feed them. And the next minute, they have their own Instagram account. One minute, we are carrying them in, in our arms. The next minute, they are taller than us. And then there are the changes that happen as, as we grow older, as our, as our bodies change, and as, as, as we lose mobility and, and independence. We have to face so much change in our world. Um, gosh, I, I'd kind of like God to just remain the same. But then if, if God never changes, um, if God never changes directions, I, I'm not sure that God really loves us. Because can you love someone, really love someone and remain completely unchanged? Ask anyone who, who has been married or, or um, brought a ch child into the world or, or had a long, close friendship. Ask them, did, did this commitment change you in any way? And I dare say you, you could not find in the history of the world anyone who would answer, uh, no. <laughs> no, I loved someone deeply and well, and um, I remained exactly the same. Love changes us. I have a good friend who, before he became a parent, had some 
very clear opinions about parenting that he regularly stated out loud. Um, there will never be plastic toys in my home. My children will play only with wooden toys, um, he announced. My children will be active, but not participate in organized sports, he said. I remember several rants on the evils of soccer. Um, on more than one occasion, he de declared that he would never ever drive a minivan. Can you guess how this story ends? Um, he and his wife are raising three children. Um, their youngest uh, is obsessed with Legos and yes, they are plastic. His eldest child um, plays soccer and yes, he drives a minivan. Um, love changes us. Love changes us. So it follows that love changes God. Look at the broad strokes of God's history with humanity. God created us, creates us, and sets us in the world and gives us choices and makes it pretty clear that if we make certain choices, we are on our own. And Israel, Israel makes bad choices. Um, they, they stop worshiping God. They follow other gods. They forget um, their responsibility to take care of the poor and the vulnerable. And they are defeated, occupied, humiliated, and sent into exile. And if God follows the path that, and plan that God has set, uh, they will rot there. <laughs> but the Bible tells a different story. The Bible speaks of a God who chooses a new strategy of a God who becomes more fully a God of, of grace and redemption. The Holy One does not give up, does not abandon his people, and figures out a way to bring the exiles home. God is always saying, I will yet find a new way to love you, a new way to pursue you and be with you. Of course God changes. Because God loves us. God loves us and you cannot love without being changed. So God changes courses. God moves in new direction. In new directions, God forgives, God redeems. And all of that is just such good news because we are people in need of forgiveness and redemption. We make mistakes. We mess up. We slip into patterns that take us away from the light of God's love like those people who made the golden calf. Yes, meanwhile, back at the golden calf, um, there are the people who decide to take a break from worshiping this really elusive and demanding God and create something shiny and new. And, and they think, well, what harm would it do if we just stand here and, 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 and look at and take in this, this bright and shiny new thing? And if we are anyone in this story, we are those golden calf loving people. And if we are them, we can only be immensely grateful at God's willingness to reconsider. But we, we aren't just recipients of forgiveness. We are called to do this same work, to forgive others the way God forgives us. This is what love asks of us, to let go, to be willing to reconnect, to start again. And this is embedded in God's
very nature, which is love. Love can lead us down some really surprising paths. Driving a minivan, turning away from disappointment and anger towards recon reconnection and reconciliation. All in the name of love. All in service of love. Amen.